I'm Malik from Malik Books, your community bookstore, specializing in African-American books and gifts full of culture diversity, the total African-American experience that brings the world together. MalikBooks.com, your place to shop for books. MalikBooks.com. Malik Books is what you need. Travis Smyre, this is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. Glad to have you with us in this hour. Intelligence isn't enough. Intelligence is not enough. A black professional's guide to thriving in the workplace. Carice Anderson, a leading director in leadership and manager development for major companies like Google, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bloomberg, and others, joins us right now for a conversation about why black professionals cannot rely on their education and intellect alone to be successful in the workplace. Carice Anderson, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Tavis, for having me. I'm excited about the conversation. I'm excited as well. I'm glad to have you on. Thank you for the time, and I'm glad we got an hour to unpack some stuff here because there's a lot to talk about. Um, let me let me start with this this sort of a broad amorphous question, and we'll we'll work our way through this hour, Carice. Um, and and I guess the the ultimate question is, and again, I'm not naive in asking this, but what is it um, about our journey in the workspace? Uh, that makes it so much more difficult for us than for others? I think there are a couple of things, right? I mean, and this is part of the reason that, you know, I even wrote my book. I mean, if I think about my own life, my grandfather worked in a steel mill for 41 years, right? Mm -hmm. I was the first person in my family to work in a corporate to even major in business. And so I had no network and I had no one that I could lean on to help me understand the space that I was stepping into. And I think honestly, you know, being marginalized, and when I think about black people all over the world, we've all been marginalized in one way or another. And we have not had the access. We haven't had the exposure. We haven't had the opportunity to be fourth and fifth generation corporate employees. And so a lot of the challenges that I think that we face are because we just haven't had the, the opportunity and the exposure. We have the intellectual horsepower, we have the degrees with, mm-hmm. with the right majors from the right schools, but we just haven't had the exposure. And I think that's really what it boils down to. When you say intellectual horsepower, and I'm glad you said it, uh, my mind went immediately to the edict, the advice from my grandparents. Uh, I'm sure the same advice you got from your black grandparents, and every black person I know has heard this from somebody in their family, that you have to get an education. You got to get get that schooling, boy. Get that schooling. Get that education. We are told that uh, that education for us uh, is the great equalizer, and I'm always struck by the fact that we're told that by parents and by grandparents and great grandparents uh, who did not have the luxury, oftentimes, of being educated at the best schools in this country, any school for that matter. I think of my grandmother, uh, Big Mama, who didn't have a chance to really be educated, and yet nobody drove me harder uh, to do better in school than Big Mama. Um, so even those um, ancestors who haven't had access to education have taught all the rest of us and told the rest of us that, again, that education is the great equalizer. And here you come telling me that intelligence is not enough. <laughs> and you're right. I think but that is the thing about being marginalized, Tavis. You're mm-hmm. on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And so you're on the outside looking in and trying to understand what are the rules and what are the sort of keys to success and you're having to make those things up because we're, we're because we're not on the inside right mm-hmm. and i think your grandmother my parents grandparents the exact same way i think they were telling us 
what they thought, right? But I think there was a limited understanding of these worlds, right? Um, and I think, you know, I'm not saying that getting degrees isn't important. I just think it's not sufficient. Mm-hmm. It is not the be-all, end-all that I think a lot of us thought that it was. And I, and I definitely thought it was as well. I thought, shoot, I've got this one piece of paper, and then I went and got a really, you know, much more expensive piece of paper. And I thought, oh, I'm set for life. Like, I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just need my brain and these pieces of paper. But, you know, I soon realized once I got into these high-performing, highly competitive environments that it's not enough. Mm. You need people to invest in you, and they're only going to do that if they know, like, and trust you. Mm. And the other thing I realized is a lot of the most important decisions about my career, I won't even be in the room when those decisions are made. Mm. And so I need the people in those rooms to know, like, and trust me so that they will want to advocate for me and put their own political and social capital on the line for me, and they'll provide cover for me for opportunities. And they'll say, Carrie deserves that bonus, that raise, that promotion, that step-up opportunity. And if we don't have those relationships, those people are not going to want to do that for us. And so I think that is, honestly, I think that's the, the biggest missing component for black folks when it comes to advancing professionally in these corporates. You see now why I'm delighted to have Carice Anderson for the hour. There's a lot to unpack in this hour, a lot to interrogate. We'll do that when we come forward with Carice Anderson. Um, Her book is called Intelligence Isn't Enough, A Black Professional's Guide to Thriving in the Workplace. You heard her say a moment ago that uh, smarts uh, ain't sufficient. (laughs) It's just not enough. Uh, You heard her also say that people need to know and like and trust you. Well, that ain't easy for black folk either. Uh, if intelligence isn't enough, uh, sometimes just being who you are and in the in surviving and in the skin that you in uh, makes it uh, difficult, uh, makes it a challenge sometimes to be known, to be liked, to be trusted. Um, so, again, a lot to talk about in this hour with Carice Anderson when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. Malik books. I'm Malik from Malik Books, your community bookstore specializing in African-American books and gifts full of culture diversity. The total African-American experience that brings the world together. MalikBooks.com, your place to shop for books. MalikBooks.com. Malik Books is what you need. I'm Tavis Smiley. She is Carice Anderson, a leading director in leadership and manager development. Has worked with uh, all kinds of folk uh, at places like Google and Bloomberg, J.P. Morgan Chase, and many more. Her book is called Intelligence Isn't is not enough a black professional's guide to thriving in the workplace. Um, when you said a moment ago, Carice, that our, our grandparents and great-grandparents gave us great advice about education being a great equalizer and to get all the education we can, we can handle, um, but that their view of, uh, of the workplace was limited from where they were seated or, or, or standing, what, what, what could they not see that we have to wrestle with, tussle with every day? I mean, I think some of it is based off of the environments that they worked in, right? If you think about the kinds of opportunities that black people have had, I think we've had a lot of blue-collar opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, if I worked at the post office, I don't see the post office as being like this highly collaborative, relationship-driven environment. You know, if you work in professional services, you work at a law firm, consulting, investment banking, private equity, these are highly relationship-driven environments that are highly collaborative. You are going back and forth, exchanging information, exchanging ideas. And I I just think they weren't working in those types of spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, you know, maybe the advice that they gave us worked in those spaces, but I don't think it necessarily works in the spaces that a lot of us are in right now. 
And I think that's that's why that information was kind of limited, you know. And and look, I think it got us to a certain point. We needed those pieces of paper, right? But I think the goalpost definitely shifts once you get inside. Mm -hmm. There are there are three major corporate muscle groups that you unpack in this text. Three major corporate muscle groups, uh, again, that you uh, you delve into in the book, knowing yourself knowing others, knowing your environment. We will come to those three in just a moment, take them one at a time, uh, just in terms of teeing up where we're going in this hour. Uh, but before that break, you talked about uh, the fact that <clears throat> intelligence isn't sufficient, um, that in these spaces that you just described quite beautifully, uh, you have to be known, you have to be liked, and you have to be trusted. I said a moment ago that that ain't always easy to do uh, just because you have melanin in your skin, just because you're inhabiting uh, the skin that you're in for this uh, journey we call life, uh, that makes it difficult sometimes uh, in and of itself. So talk to me about uh, about being known, about being liked, and about being trusted and the difficulty that we oftentimes have to encounter doing just that. And I think some of this also comes back to some of the advice that some of us have gotten. And look, I you know, and I acknowledge that in my book. I acknowledge that there's racism, there's unconscious bias, there's, you know, non-inclusive behavior. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't want to give us a chance, no matter what we do, no matter how well we perform, no matter how bright we are, you know, those folks, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be moved, right? But I think there are people out here who are open, but I think we have to open up as well. Mm -hmm. So it's funny, Tavis, I've spoken to, you know, black folks in Europe, in Africa, because I lived in South Africa for 10 years, and obviously, you know, audiences and black audiences in the U.S., and there's one piece of advice that is very, I've shared it across the board, all these audiences. That advice that we've gotten is don't tell those people that work your business. Those mm. people are not your friends. <laughs> don't, you didn't go to work to make friends. You go to work, put your head down, do your job and go home. Mm. That is not good advice for those of us that work in highly collaborative relationship driven environments. Because it puts a wall up, mm. right? And there's all kinds of reasons why we could have, why we should have that wall up, right? We've got all kinds of stories and data points to support, you know, that fear, right, of opening ourselves up. But I think we're going to have to find a way to do that. Because if people, you know, don't know anything about you besides the fact that you're good at Excel or PowerPoint, mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard for them to like you and to trust you. And, you know, and I tell people all the time, I'm not saying you have to go to work and share your deepest, darkest traumas with your coworkers, but you need to find some point of commonality and connection. And I, it's funny because I was listening to something that Tashonda Brown Duckett, you know, the CEO mm -hmm. of TIAA was, you know, she was saying, when I go into rooms, I'm oftentimes the only black person. Sometimes I'm the only woman, you know, and I could go into those spaces thinking about all the things that separate us and how different we are. She says, but I try to focus on what are the things that we have in common? What are those points of connection? And I try to build upon that. And that's that's what I try to tell other people, too. Mm -hmm. We've got to find a way to open up um, and let people in. And I mean, you just mentioned the framework for my book, which is know yourself, know others, know your environment. Mm -hmm. Part of because a big part of my message to people is I want us to show up as our authentic selves, mm -hmm. right, to a certain extent, right? You got to figure out where you play on that spectrum. But I think that's a big part of us building those relationships and getting people to know, like, and trust us if we show up as our real selves. 
yep. and not sort of the with the mask up because nobody wants to be friends with a fake person. Yep. You want to be you want to build relationships with a real person. And yet, because I'm playing devil's advocate here, pushing you to get the best out of you, it is hard for people of color, oftentimes black folk, to be themselves at work. We'll come to that when we get to these three uh, major corporate muscle groups in just a second. Um, but I want to detour ever so gently and ever so quickly uh, because you teased me. I was in conversation uh, um, uh, some days ago uh, about uh, somebody asked, I was at a dinner party uh, over Thanksgiving, as a matter of fact, uh, and somebody asked, we were talking about travel, world travel, and somebody asked, where have you been around the globe that you be comfortable living outside of the U.S.? And my answer was Cape Town. Um, I've been all around the world, um, and there are only a couple of places I've ever been where if I had to get, if, if I got kicked out of here, who knows, I may get kicked out one day for something I say on the radio. But if they, <laughs> but if, if they, if they kick me out like they did Marcus Garvey, if I get pushed out, uh, I'm going to Cape Town because I really, I love South Africa. I love Africa, period, the continent. But I've been to what, I've only been to like 16 countries. I got a lot more to go. But I love South Africa. I especially and particularly love Cape Town. When you said you lived in South Africa for 10 years, that just uh, took me away right quick. So just tell me why you were in South Africa for 10 years and what you what you learned and what the experience was like living in South Africa for a decade. So, Tavis, I wish I could tell you I went there for a more philanthropic mm -hmm. reason, but I went there for a man, Tavis. I ain't mad uh, at you. My husband. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't mad at you. <laughs> I wish I could tell you I went there on some sort of mission or, like, you know, you win con as part of a UN convoy. But, Tavis, I went there for a man. So, long story short, I met my husband. We both went to Harvard Business School, met him at business school. He graduated, moved to South Africa. We started dating three years later, got married two years later, and then I moved to South Africa a year after that. Uh -huh. So I went there, yeah, for a man. In terms of the experience, <laughs> I mean, I think the experience was fantastic, right? Overall, I think it's great to be black in a black-majority country. Mm. I mean, it's just nice to just blend in, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of the fears, you know, that you might have, you know, you don't you don't have to worry about some of those things because everybody's black. You know, mm -hmm. I remember going to, to stores and I'd be worried about, oh, I don't want people to think I'm stealing. And my husband would tell me, he's like, Carrie, we're all black. They can't racially profile. There's too many of us <laughs> to <them> racially profile. <laughs> like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, so I think that I think it's great. I think it's also really wonderful to just see the origin of black culture for for South Africans. Right. Mm -hmm. They have their own traditions, their own language their own, you know, homesteads and they can go back generations and generations of their family. I think that's, it's super beautiful. I think, yeah. you know, and South Africa, like you said, beautiful country, beautiful landscape, a lot. I think there's a lot of opportunity there, but I think there's a lot of challenges, you know, in terms yeah. of the government and mm -hmm. the, the economy, but, you know, I still have a lot of hope for South Africa. My husband and I actually talk about semi-retiring there yeah. because you can't get a lot of help. Yeah. You know, there's a, and you know, there's it's just an easier, softer life in many ways because of that help that you can get. Yeah, I wonder if I can ask you right quick, and we'll move on to your uh, back to uh -huh. these uh, this, these uh, major corporate muscle groups, knowing yourself, knowing others, and knowing your environment. Um, I wonder if you could tell me, you know, one or two things right quick that you have held on to, uh, one or two takeaways as an African American living on the continent. Um, that you still uh, revel in, that you still celebrate, that you hold on to uh, from the experience of having lived in the motherland? I would say two things. I think the first thing is this concept of Ubuntu, which is mm -hmm. I am because we are. 
You know, you in South Africa, I don't care who it is. If it's a customer service rep or the checkout girl at the grocery store, you need to greet people as people, as humans, mm. before you think about who they are in terms of a, a service provider. That, for me, is just a really beautiful concept. Because I think we need to do more of that in the world is just acknowledging each other's humanity. Mm -hmm. And I would just say the second thing is, you know, I didn't go to an HBCU for undergrad or graduate school, but I feel like living in South Africa was my HBCU. Mm. It just gives you a certain level of confidence, you know, when you are surrounded by people that look like you. And that's something that, you know, I think I've brought back to, you know, my experience of living in the U.S. Mm, two great answers and thank you for indulging me on that i said as i said you Absolutely. teased me by saying you lived there for a decade and i love the country so much that i wanted to sort of uh interrogate and probe what you took away from living there for for a decade and i thank you again for for taking those questions now back to your book intelligence isn't enough a black professional's guide to thriving in the workplace and we're talking about here in this country of course um so in in your book um you divide uh, these six chapters into three major corporate muscle groups Knowing yourself, knowing others, knowing your environment. Let's take them one at a time. So uh, top line for me, knowing yourself. So the, the idea of knowing yourself, right, is just understanding, first of all, what's my story? And what are the elements of my story that have shaped me into the person that I am today? What are the people, the places, the situations that have shaped me for good or for bad, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think we bring some of those things into the workplace. It's knowing what kind of advice have I been given about being successful and about my career and what success even looks like. I think the other part of the knowing self is knowing my mindset, you know, and what has shaped that. What's my personality? What are my strengths, my areas of development, my motivations, my aspirations? What inspires me? I think all of these things, you know, the better we know ourselves, the better we can position ourselves to be in a space, you know, where people appreciate what we bring to the table. And we can't do that if we don't know ourselves. I think that also speaks to what we were talking about a, a second ago, is being able to show up authentically. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't know who I am, I'm going to be a chameleon. I'm going to shift and change myself depending on who I'm with, as opposed to, no, this is who I truly am. And, and trying to show up, you know, I call it the continuum of authenticity, right? So figuring out where do you play on that authenticity spectrum so that if your family came to work and saw you at work, they would still recognize you and vice versa. Mm. So that, that's the knowing self part. The knowing others part is really understanding what is important to other people. How do I get along with people who are different than me? Because, you know, we love to run around here talking about diversity, <laughs> mm -hmm. but we never talk about how difficult it is to work with people who are different than you. And I'm not even just talking about from a physical standpoint, I mean from a values, work ethic, belief standpoint. How do you get along with people who are different than you? How do you put yourself in the shoes of other people, whether it's your manager, your peers, your teammates, people who report to you? You know, really trying to – because nobody teaches you conflict resolution skills either. You get in these situations mm -hmm. and you don't know how to resolve them. You know, because – you know, and if you think about it, you have brothers and sisters that you share DNA with that you don't get along with. So, of course, you're going to go to work and find people that you don't get along with. Mm -hmm. And I think just knowing how to work with people who are different than you and build relationships. But knowing the environment is just understanding what does this organization do? What is important to them? Who are their customers? How do they make their money? You know, what is the culture of this organization? Because I honestly believe if you're missing one of these three elements, whether it's know yourself, know others, know your environment, you're not going to be able to show up in the best way. 
right? If you don't know yourself, your people are not going to know who the real you is. You're not even going to know who that is, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't understand other people, you can't get along with them. You can't, you know, you need to know what's keeping other people up at night and what their aspirations are and how what you're doing connects to what they're doing. And then the knowing the environment, if you don't understand that environment, you're not going to be able to show up in a way that works in that space because you have to do that, right? And I know, you know, a lot of people might be saying, you know, Carrie, why is all the onus on black folks? And I'm like, look, at the end of the day, organizations need to change for sure. But at at the same time, I have a mortgage and I have a car payment. I need to make this job work. Mm -hmm. And so I need to figure out what is it that I need to be doing so that I can show up in a way that works for not only myself, but also works for other people and works for this environment. Mm. Uh, as you uh, as you suspect, uh, likely, <laughs> I have questions in all three categories. Let me just jump right fast. <laughs> I, I'll start with I'll start with knowing your environment. Um, what advice do you offer to people um, when they are in a particular organizational structure and the culture uh, that they are operating inside of doesn't really match their worldview? You follow me? Yeah. So I tell people two things. I say, well, first of all, examine what is your worldview? Like, what is your, you know, because I feel like culture is a lens. Mm-hmm. And and even, you know, like I was saying a second ago about living in South Africa, you know, I grew up in America where, you know, you could speak, you could not speak. It's not that big of a deal. But in South Africa, it's a big deal. And so I adjusted myself to be effective and successful in that culture. I wouldn't walk up to somebody out of the blue and just ask, you know, what aisle is the toothpaste on? I'm going to say, hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. So I think it's about trying to examine what parts of our culture are we sort of looking at the world through in terms of that lens, right, and that filter? And how much does it matter to us? You know what I mean? Maybe this is the way I was raised, but is this something I strongly believe in? Is it a boundary versus a comfort zone? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think figuring out what are my boundary areas, these are things I'm not willing to shift on. I don't care who it is, where it is what the job is, but then everything else I should be a little bit more flexible on because I want to have impact and I want to be effective. Um, I think the other thing I tell people is, look, if you do that self-examination and you still feel like this organization is pushing you past where you're comfortable, then you might need to think about putting that exit strategy together. Mm, I'm not saying you have to quit your job tomorrow, but you might say to yourself, I need to start floating my CV around talking to my network because this is not the right place for me, and that's okay. We'll come back to that uh, when we come forward after News Traffic and Sports, talking about why intelligence isn't enough. Uh, a black Professional's Guide to Thriving in the Workplace with Carice Anderson on KBLA Talk 15. Malik Books. I'm Malik from Malik Books, your community bookstore, specializing in African-American books and gifts full of culture diversity, the total African-American experience that brings the world together. MalikBooks.com, your place to shop for books. MalikBooks.com. Malik Books is what you need. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Curry Sanderson, I want to read one of the many messages I've received um, during this hour that we've been talking. Let me just uh, quote from one of our listeners. Want to push back, Tavis, against the idea that people have to like you because that is not only false, it ignores deeply embedded structures that block opportunities for people of color, at least in academia and government. Now, it is true, even critical, that you have well-developed social skills so that people do not dislike you based on legitimate work-related factors. 
and it is imperative that you have sponsors. A sponsor is different to my mind from a mentor. Your sponsors are at the table fighting for you behind closed doors. But great care should be taken, Tavis, not to place the blame for disparate outcomes in working in workplace achievement among people of color on factors that are all under their control. I appreciate the framework, but nuances matter. Your thoughts? I agree to a certain extent, right? I I definitely agree with the part where the person is talking about, you know, structures, right, and systems. Mm-hmm. And that's why at the very beginning of my book, I talk about the fact that unconscious bias and racism and sexism and all the isms do exist, right? But I don't feel like it's black people's responsibility to fix those. And that's why I don't talk about them in the book. Those are not structures that we put in place. Mm-hmm. The people who put them in place, they need to fix them. But while they are fixing those, we have to work on ourselves. We have to acknowledge what we bring into these environments the day we step foot into them, right? And we have to work on that. I think, you know, this element of like, I mean, I just, I don't know many humans who like you, like, you know, it, I feel like people are kind of binary. Either they like you or they don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's like a middle ground. And so this idea that somebody doesn't have to like you, but they can't dislike you. I just don't know. I feel like most people have a feeling, especially if you're, th- if you're talking about, being in rooms where I'm going to put my name and my neck on the line for you, being neutral, if I have a choice between somebody that I'm neutral on and somebody that I like, I'm advocating for the person that I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not advocating for the person that I'm neutral on, right? And so I, I do think we, and I'm not saying we need to sort of kowtow and step and fetch it. And, you know, I just think we need to try to build genuine connections with people. And that could be in a myriad of ways, Right. Somebody could like me because I'm really good at my job. Hey, that's good. You know, I mean, somebody else might like me because we went to the same university or we share common interests. I think you just have to figure people out, especially those people who are in those decision-making positions, and figure out how you're going to make that connection with them. And I think, you know. Yeah, people can disagree with that for sure. Nope, I I receive it. Uh, Our remaining moments with uh, Carice Anderson when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. Interrogating your assumptions. And expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Curry Sanderson, you do this uh, consulting work all the time, and I'm wondering... um, How might I frame this? It's one thing to give black folk tips on how... Uh, to survive in a mostly white workplace, um, workplaces that most of us, maybe not at this radio station, but most of us are subjected to those kinds of kind of work environments. And so I take your point about knowing your environment. I guess the question is, and I've only got about two and a half minutes left here, whether or not in the work that you do, you see the environments themselves changing to take us more seriously, take our gifts, our skills, our assets more seriously as the country becomes a country uh, more and more of people of color. I absolutely see that there's been, you know, the evolution, right? Because I think about when I started working in 1998, nobody acknowledged that you were a woman, that you were black. People didn't care about your mental health or well-being. It was like, get in here and do this job. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we're even having these conversations, for me, shows that there's been growth. But these organizations, it's like making a U-turn in a cruise ship. It's going to take about Mm -hmm. 37-point turns Mm -hmm. to get them to be different. And so, you know, that's why... You know, when I wrote my book, I was thinking of a black professional and I'm talking to them about what you can do. What is within your sphere of control and influence? Because you can't control these companies. You know what I mean? And and it's going to be slow going to turn them around. But Mm. while they're doing that, we work on ourselves. And, you know, but I do I do see the growth, but it is slow. 
because a lot of these companies have been super successful doing what they've done. And it's hard to convince people to change their formula, especially when it feels like it's not broken for a a large majority of people. So that's 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 kind of my take on it. Got about 45 seconds left in this conversation. Um, your book is called Intelligence Isn't Enough, A Black Professional's Guide to Thriving in the Workplace. Let me ask whether or not you think that uh, writ large, that black people can, in fact, uh, thrive in the workplace. Or is it always going to be the case that just a few of us uh, sort of eke through and get in the executive suites? I think we can. I honestly think we can. I think as long as those of us that have been able to sort of break through are reaching back. And that's the whole reason I wrote my book, right? I don't want young people and mid-career professionals to make the same mistakes I made in 1998. I want you to make new mistakes. <laughs> so I can save you some of the pain, right? Um, and I think that helps them start from a much higher place than I started from if they read, you know, my book or, or books like it, right, to give them that leg up. So I think, I think we can definitely get there if, if we kind of approach it with the right mindset. Her name is Carrie Sanderson, spelled C-A-R-I-C-E, Carrie Sanderson. The book is called Intelligence Isn't Enough, A Black Professional's Guide to Thriving in the Workplace. Thank you, uh, Carrie, for the conversation. Thank you for the book. Thank you for the great insight. Good to have you on this program. All the best to you and your husband. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's my great honor. Thank you. That's our show for today. Back tomorrow morning, Lord. We're going to do it all over again, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific time. Time now to make room for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson to be followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Najee Roberts. Old money, new money, don't matter. We got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow morning, Lord willing, thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep the faith. Malik Books. I'm Malik from Malik Books, your community bookstore. Specialized in African-American books and gifts full of culture diversity. The total African-American experience that brings the world together. MalikBooks.com, your place to shop for books. MalikBooks.com. Malik Books is what you need.